Pioneering Today podcast listeners. This is episode number 69 with lessons learned from an eat from your food storage or pantry challenge. I'm so excited to have you joining me today. So welcome. And this is the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, where we inspire your faith and pioneer roots. And like I said, today we are going to be talking about lessons learned from our Eat From Your Food Storage Challenge. So have you ever wondered if when it comes down to it, if you can really do what you think you can or what you've prepared for? Um, I write a lot about self-sufficiency, building up your own food storage, living off the land like our ancestors did, using traditional skills, modern homesteading, all that kind of stuff. But I still do purchase things from the grocery store, and I truly believe that you would be very, very hard-pressed to find anyone, no matter how self-sufficient they are, that doesn't still purchase some things from the grocery store or order them online, that kind of a thing. But what if you had to rely solely on the food that you had right now in your food storage and pantry? That was a question I asked myself, and over 170 of our readers and listeners decided to take the challenge with me together. So the challenge rules were pretty simple. It was just to eat from your food storage and pantry without purchasing anything from the store for 14 days. Two weeks. And I have to say that I was really excited to have everybody join me and to do this together. And it was um, spurned from, any of you might know Ruth. Um, I've had her on previous um, episodes of the podcast here, and she is the from the website livingwellspendingless.com, and she's actually doing a 31-day challenge that is living well and spending zero. So hers is a little bit different. You can buy certain items, but it's on not trying not to spend anything essentially for the entire month. So I'm doing that challenge along with her. It's been a lot of fun, but I wanted to take this... <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to take this to a little bit different level for the more preparedness, self-sufficiency, homesteader types. So that was where our 14-day challenge kind of spurned off of hers. And what this challenge has taught me is actually quite a few things. I was very interesting to see the lessons learned from it going going into it and then coming out the other side. We're almost done with the challenge. I will have to say that there's just a couple days left, so I'm almost finished with it. But I've come to realize this statement, that there are some things you will only know that you are capable of doing if you do it. You know, we can talk about theory and we can think that we're prepared for things, but there are truthfully just things in life that we will never know if we can really do them or not unless we try and unless we do them. So the number one thing that I learned first from this food storage challenge was we have more food in our fridge than we realize. The bad part of this is there is probably an item or two in the back of your fridge or tucked in the crisper drawer that is past its usability. Too often we don't really truly see what we have, and that can be said in a lot of areas of life, honestly, not just, for example, in this with the food storage challenge, but we really tend to overlook what we have. And so this has been great on a lot of levels to make us kind of sit back and take account of what we truly do have and to be thankful for that. So the number one thing is we really need to take time to make an inventory of what you have. Now, I thought that I had a fairly good inventory on my food storage, and I do as far as the dry goods and the canned goods go. 
we can, as much as we can here from uh, the things that we grow ourselves or that we get locally and put them up in season. So I have a pretty good handle on my home canned goods, which is um, probably close to, it's always evolving because I'm eating some of it and then putting some in depending upon the season. But generally speaking, about 300 jars of food that we home can up ourselves throughout the year. And then, of course, our regular dry food storage. So I have some articles that you will want to check out definitely on food storage, and I will link to those in the show notes for today. So as your first-time listener, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. And you can find all of our episodes, including the past episodes, at melissaknorris.com. And just click on the podcast button, which is right up at the top menu of the page. And then you will find all of the episodes listed by number and topic. And you can click on those and it will give you full show notes or a full blog post written out of the podcast episode and then links to everything that we're taking about to take you further and deeper into it. So I just want to make sure that you know that that's available and to go check those out. So we have, we're eight foods that everybody should be storing in how, and that's kind of an introductory into food storage. So that will walk you through those items. And then I've got some guides on buying foods in bulk, including a downloadable spice and herb list, because that is really going to become important to you when you start cooking from your food storage and making a lot of things from scratch. It's having a really good spice inventory will make a big difference in the final outcome of your food as far as taste goes. So I want to make sure that you grab those for your own resources. So taking inventory of my fridge and my freezer, and I actually had a pretty good idea what's in our freezer. We have two um, chest freezers, deep freezers, and that is because we raise all of our own grass-fed beef, pork, and meat chickens here on our homestead. So that requires me to have some freezers. (laughs) Let me tell you, to fit, um, we did 25 meat chickens this past year, and then we, like I said, do our beef and our pork. So I need a lot of freezer space. So the majority of our freezer is for meat. I do keep a few things in there of some fruits that I have frozen to make jams and jelly with, and it was just too hot or I didn't have the time when they were on. So I harvested and picked our raspberries and blueberries and blackberries (laughs) and tossed those all in the freezer to make my jams and jellies with later or just to use as frozen fruit in things. And then I do try to put in the freezer, I've got some pumpkin. I typically cook and freeze pumpkin because it is not safe to can pureed pumpkin and I haven't canned it in chunks yet. I just cooked it and tossed it all in the freezer from last year. So I'm trying to use up the last of that. So I pretty much know what I have in my freezer. But in the fridge, my goodness, y'all, I had a lot more in my fridge than I realized and the bad part of it was a lot of it was not usable. I found some things that okay, this is so gross, but I will confess, they were like liquefied in a bag, and I didn't even, I don't know what they were. So it was a great time to get that fridge cleaned out and then sanitized and in tip-top shape. So that probably alone was worth doing the challenge. I was really embarrassed. I had no idea. I had some stuff stuffed away in the back that had obviously turned to yuck. Um, Anyways, probably too much info there for you, but you might be surprised at what you're going to find lurking in your own fridge. So the second thing that I learned from the challenge was that I tend to cook for our family more along the lines of what we want than what we have. So when you dedicate yourself to only using the ingredients on hand, you learn to craft your eating and meals with the resources that you have. And I thought that we were already doing this for the most part in theory, 
But when you're forced to do it, I say forced, I voluntarily did this challenge, but you really begin to see where you weren't necessarily following through in areas that you might have thought you were. So that was very eye-opening for us. The third thing is that we can go a lot longer than 14 days eating only from our food stores. I actually have more food stored than I realized, which is a pretty good feeling. And we do practice rotation. And I will link to a post on practicing proper food storage rotation for you as well. That is very key in making sure that you're not wasting any of your money or your resources. We would be able to not purchase any food and not go hungry for months, which is always my goal, is I want to have at least three months of food on hand. But it was really nice to look at it, and as I started to cook it and realize how much we were actually using each day, and this is what it showed me too, because when you're still purchasing things from the store, you might not realize how much you're actually supplementing with food from the store, and so your food storage unless you actually eat exclusively from it for a period of time to see how much you're using and what you're using, your food storage may not last quite as long as you thought. So it's really good to go through and use it exclusively to see how much you really are going to go when your family's eating all the way through it, how fast you're going to go through things. And so I was actually pleasantly surprised to realize that we actually have a pretty good handle and we would be able to eat for a long time on the food that we have here. However, point number four is we might be able to eat from our food storage for a very long time, but we're lacking variety in a few areas. Dairy is the one area that we are sorely lacking in our food storage. We don't have our own dairy animals on the homestead yet, and while I have a good stock on butter and other fats, I, we render our own lard down from the pigs, and I buy butter and freeze it. Butter freezes wonderfully, let me tell you, so I always have backup butter in the freezer. But I don't have a source for milk, which means no cream and no cheese. So I need to put a few more blocks of our favorite cheddar in the freezer because you know dairy freezes wonderfully, right? I'm talking all forms of dairy freezes like a dream. I freeze milk that I'm going to use later to make yogurt. Cheese freezes great. Yogurt freezes great. I freeze buttermilk. I use buttermilk a lot in baking. And so if I buy buttermilk and I know that I'm not going to be baking because nobody at our house likes to drink buttermilk straight. Now my dad... He loves buttermilk. That man will pour a big old glass of buttermilk with some cornbread, and he is happy, happy, happy. I don't like the taste of buttermilk by itself just to drink. I like it in baked goods, love it in baked goods, but not all on its own. So if I'm just using part of the buttermilk and I know I'm not going to be baking and using it up soon, toss it in the freezer. Then thawed out works fantastic. So you can use your freezer for backup dairy items, and I like to do that when I find them on sale for a really good price is I will do that with my dairy. But I realized right now going into it that I didn't actually have a very big backstock of our dairy at all. So some powdered varieties for sauces and baking and cooking is something that I definitely am going to be looking into adding into our food storage. And as far as um, the variety goes, is we have a ton of home canned tomato products. We can all of our own green beans. I've not bought ever bought green beans from the store. And I've got a lot of pickled asparagus. My husband and I love pickled asparagus. My kids aren't so hot on pickled asparagus. So if I'm just using tomatoes, which includes salsa and sauce and stewed tomatoes and all that from our home canned ones, but tomatoes and just green beans and asparagus, if that's your main vegetable source day in and day out, it's going to get old. So while we would still be able to eat for a long time, like I said, 
we might not really start to like all of this stuff by the end of it just because of repetition. So number five is I actually have more time. Now this was a huge eye opener to me because I am sure I am not alone in this. Can I get an amen? But I am short on time, you guys, and I think that you are right along with me. So between working a day job and commuting to that, running the website, doing the podcast, just being a mama and a homesteader and a wife and trying to keep a halfway clean house, whoo, <laughs> it's a lot. And I know that I'm not alone. I'm not an exception and you are just as busy. I'm sure there are many of you who are more busy than I am. So when I was going into this, I was kind of nervous about the time factor. But actually and truthfully is I have had more time since we started it. So you would think with cooking all of our meals from scratch from our food storage would they make things more hectic, but I found that to actually be the opposite. Meal planning really does save time. And I know we all know this and I know this, but I sometimes fall out of the rhythm. So this challenge really made me get back in the rhythm of things. And the meal planning was the key to making this challenge work. And that is to plan your meals out ahead of time. I used my slow cooker pretty much every single day of this challenge for supper. And then I baked ahead on the weekends and when, or when I had other blocks of time for snack items and breakfast items. We had a couple of apples in the crisper drawer. So my daughter and I made some homemade apple muffins and had those for um, either breakfast or took them for snacks in the afternoon. Just that that kind of a thing. And so I did that when I had time, but I had it all planned out and I had all the ingredients. And so it just worked really well and really helped us stay on the challenge. And because I wasn't driving to the store and spending my time shopping, I actually had more time available, even with cooking everything primarily myself. So that was awesome. I mean, of course, you know, my husband, we were grilling, you know, he loves, he is a great outdoor cook. He actually is a really good cook. So he usually does the grilling and then I will do most of the baking and stuff. But we actually had more time. And for me, that's because if I go down grocery shopping, we say down below because <laughs> we live in the foothills of the mountains. So if we are traveling, and this is especially true for locals, we say I'm going down below. And that just means that we are obviously going down below in elevation. But it's usually about uh, one way is an hour for me to get to any of the larger grocery stores that, you know, Fred Meyers, Costco, just any kind of city at all to purchase supplies. It's about an hour away. So you figure two hours alone of driving time for me to go shopping. And then that doesn't include just, you know, your regular time that you spend in the stores. So I save time. And I try to only go twice a month shopping anyways, but sometimes that ends up my son is in football this year. It's his first year of football. So we are traveling more on the weekends because he has games. So this just really saved me time not having to go grocery shopping as much, which has been great. And we can all use more time, right? So number six that I learned from this challenge is that you will save money and not just during the challenge. So obviously, if you are not buying groceries or food for two weeks, you're going to save some money. However, the benefit of this challenge that I didn't see going in is it's forced me to look at our current shopping and buying habits and to reevaluate them. Oftentimes when I'm at the store, I purchase items and then I don't end up using them. For example, going back to tip number one, take an inventory, right? I have a package of shredded coconut. I have a bag of pecans and some dates that have been in my cupboard for at least six months. Have they went bad? No. They are sealed and they're totally shelf stable. They're not expired. They're fine. 
But before I go and purchase something else from the grocery store, we need to use up what we already have. So from here on out, I'm still going to purchase as little as possible until I've used up more of our dry goods section. I've even went through some of our closets and I'm reusing and repurposing things that we already have instead of donating them or purchasing something new. So this challenge has just really kind of been eye-opening and it makes you look at things in a new light and a little bit differently. It gives you a new perspective for what you have and how you're doing things. So that that has been really valuable and a surprise bonus that I didn't expect going in. So I've been actually really excited about that. In fact, we are gearing up here to do a homemade Christmas challenge. We did this last year and so it's eight weeks. And over those eight weeks, I send out tutorials and ideas, and it's all on about being a good old-fashioned, handmade, homemade Christmas. So they're gift items that people are going to want that are, I think they're really cool that you can make at home. And it was just so much fun, you guys. Last year, I had such a blast with you guys doing the homemade Christmas series. So I wanted to bring it back again this year. So we're going to be starting at the very end of October. And if you want to get signed up, which you do want to get signed up, right? I want all, all my pioneering peeps on there. So go to melissaknorris.com backslash homemade Christmas and you will um, go to the sign up page. So sign up there. I'm actually going to be sending out. I have a free, this is um, exclusive y'all here. Get to hear that first. I've not announced this anywhere, but I have a free homemade Christmas book that I'm going to be giving out for free to everybody who signs up for the challenge. So that. Um, I have to do a little bit of editing and formatting on that. So that will be going out um, in another week. So you will sign up and you might not get that immediately when you sign up, but it will be coming to you shortly. So rest assured, that'll that'll be heading your way. And then you'll also get the link. We have a homemade Christmas group on Facebook and we've got almost 2,000 people on it and it's where we all just get to share ideas. So if we're making a homemade gift, we get to share the picture on there. Or if you have a question, you're making something, you can ask people and we're sharing ideas. And it is totally just to making homemade items. So in the group, if anybody tries to, you know how you get those spammers or people who want you to just go and buy something, those are blocked and they are not allowed. So it really is just a useful group for sharing ideas. And it's really fun. And of course, it's getting active now. People are sharing some fantastic ideas on there. And I'm getting really inspired too. So make sure you get yourself on over there and sign up so that you can join it. Like I said, I'm really excited to do it. And so what I've been doing is I had um, some dresses and some different items. My daughter had a sweater she had outgrown. So I had some things that we were going to donate to the Goodwill. And then I went back and looked at these items during this week. And I'm like, you know what? That dress that is mine, it's a sundress. And I can remake that into a dress for my daughter quite easily by sizing it down and doing some altering. So I'm really excited to repurpose that. And I will be sharing pictures of that and how I'm doing it and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited. And then she has a sweater that she's outgrown a little bit. So um, it's got one of those really cool necks that's that um, kind of like a cowl neck, you know, where it's real loose. So I'm going to cut that sweater because it doesn't fit her anymore. And I'm going to make it into an infinity scarf for her. And then I saw this on Pinterest. So I've seen it a lot of places um, on Pinterest. So I don't know who to credit for it. But where you take the sleeves of the sweater and then you cut them and sew them and then you make, they, they become leg warmers. 
So I'm so excited to take the sleeves from the sweater and make her some little leg warmers. So there's going to be lots of fun ideas like that that we're going to share back and forth just to give you ideas and get, you know, things sparking. And we also have some men's gift because I don't know about you, but making homemade gifts for men tend to be my struggle point. I can find lots of things to do for the ladies. I have a harder time finding things to make at home for guys. So we've got some of those coming up too. Okay, so I'm so excited about that. Obviously, I got off on a little bit of tangent. So make yourself sure you go and get signed up for that. So number seven thing that I realized during this challenge was we have holes in our food storage. So I am keeping a list of items that we don't have at all that we ran out of or I'm very close to running out of. For example, I only have two bags of chocolate chips left, you guys. And I love to bake and my family loves to eat chocolate. I have over two pounds of cocoa powder, which is great, but very little chocolate chips. So I either need to A, make my own chocolate chips or B, have a better supply on hand. And while I love the idea of making my own chocolate chips, and even though I have more time, realistically, I'm probably not going to be making my own chocolate chips on a consistent basis. Now, I may be eating those words later, but at this point. So I need to have a better supply on hand of chocolate chips. So that's one thing. The next is I ran out of lemon juice while canning tomatoes because we're having an abnormally warm year here in the Pacific Northwest. I still have my tomatoes are in a little off-covered, um, off-grid greenhouse, and I still have fresh tomatoes coming on, which is great, but I'm still canning, and I ran out of lemon juice. So I need a backup form of acid for safe canning because that's non-negotiable with me. So I'm going to be investing in some citric acid because that's powder form instead of liquid and a shelf-stable. So that's something where I really needed to up, and I didn't even know that that was a hole in my food storage until we did this challenge. So I mentioned dairy. Powdered varieties are coming in, and dairy goats are starting to look more and more appealing, though I'm not saying we're making the plunge yet. So stay tuned there. And then the other hole in our food storage is vegetable variety. I rely more than I realized on being able to purchase fresh vegetables to supplement our canned varieties during our off-growing season here. So I need to can, freeze, or dehydrate more vegetables than I currently am. I also really want to experiment more with cold frames and cold weather crops. We do a little bit, but I really want to up that a lot more. So that's something that I really want to look into. And then our fruit variety is pretty good. With We have canned applesauce, dried apples, dried cherries, dried blueberries, and then I have frozen bananas, raspberries, blackberries, and blueberries. So fruit, oh, and canned peaches, not canned peaches, canned apple pie filling. So really fruit-wise, we're sitting pretty good there. So that was good. But I definitely had holes in those other areas. And then number eight thing that I learned during this food storage challenge is oatmeal is way more versatile than I realized. Seriously, you guys, oatmeal is one of probably the most overlooked things, at least for me. I did not realize how awesome oatmeal was. And if you have been catching any of my Periscopes, which if you're not familiar with Periscope, it's a free app for your smartphone. You can go and download it. And then it allows you to watch live videos from people that you're following. And then you, in real time, you to watch the live video. And then you can type and ask questions. So it's been awesome. I've been scoping my way through this entire challenge with you. Quite a few of you have joined me. So if you are not on Periscope yet, you want to get on there. Because we just talked about oatmeal um, the other, yes, yesterday, two days ago. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So you can, if you download the app, like I said, it's Periscope. Then find me at Melissa K. Norris, and you will catch all of those. It'll be so much fun. And if for some reason you don't have a smartphone or you have limited data, because I'm not sure how much data that eats up, you can catch all of our previous scopes at catch.me 
facebook.com backslash Melissa K. Norris. And that's catch with a K. So K-A-T-C-H dot M-E backslash Melissa K. Norris. And you can watch all of the um, previous ones on there. So that's really fun too. But so one of the things is oatmeal. Because oatmeal is a great breakfast go-to. One of the things that I shared on the Periscope is my dad is 78 years old. And he has oatmeal every morning and always has. doesn't matter if my mom cooks biscuits and gravy and scrambled eggs. He still wants a little bowl of oatmeal. And if all he has is oatmeal, he's totally fine with that. So he has oatmeal every single morning. And he is in amazing shape for his age. He still comes and falls trees for us. He actually climbed and fell trees from us this um, past spring. Amazing. I hope I do half as well as him when I'm his age. So I'm not saying it's all because of the oatmeal, but... It's certainly done well for him. So it's a great breakfast item. It makes great cookies because who doesn't love no-bakes, chocolate and oatmeal together? Oh, my. Love it. So I've been using that a lot because, like I said, I was low on chocolate chips. So I've done two batches of no-bakes so far. You can grind your oatmeal into flour. And if it's certified gluten-free oatmeal, then it's a gluten-free flour source. You can use it as toppings if you're making muffins and desserts. So I like to do a little like streusel topping with oatmeal for muffins. And of course, is a topping for crisps and all that kind of stuff. Oh, fun. And I just think oatmeal does not get enough credit. Oatmeal is awesome, you guys. So I am like the oatmeal champion here today. I have a fairly decent amount of old-fashioned oats in our food storage because I don't buy the instant. I buy the old-fashioned. I just think they're way more versatile and pioneering today, right? That's all about old-fashioned. I know you're with me. But I'm going to be upping our quantity, and I'm going to keep using it more. I've used it more this week, and I really am enjoying it. So that's going to be something that I'm going to be incorporating more into our regular meals. Now, I have to say that throughout this whole food storage challenge, which has been really fun, is without our home food preservation, my food storage would be a lot more expensive and a lot less than it is. I'm really thankful for our crops and putting up food when it's in season to see us through the rest of the year, just like our ancestors did and the pioneers did. And I think that everybody should be putting up some of their own food. Even if you don't grow it yourself and you have to purchase it, you can still get it in season and locally and then preserve that for the coming year. So I have, if you don't have it, if you've been, if you're a new listener, then you probably don't have it. But if you're an existing listener or reader, then you should have it. And if you don't, go get it. And that is, I have, it's over 130 plus called the Ultimate Home Food Preservation Guide. So there is links to tutorials and recipes and how-tos and equipment and all of that on how to safely preserve food at home. And so there's, of course, canning, including water bath and pressure canning. And it's all linked to safe practices, which is a really big thing for me. I love doing everything at home, but it has to be done safely. We've got dehydrating. I have root cellaring, uh, preserving it in salt, preserving it in oil. So fermenting. So all the ways that you can preserve food at home, I've got it in the guide. So get yourself on over there and grab your copy. So thank you guys so much for joining me today. This has been such an awesome experience. I'm so glad that we're doing the challenge. And I will run another one if you would like to do it with people because I've noticed that's been really key is knowing that we are accountable in a sense to one another um, to help keep you ongoing with it and to just to know that there's other people doing it with you in a support system. That's so important. So I wanted to share with you a couple of verses because this is in the inspiring your faith part of the podcast. And I have two verses that I want to share with you today. And one of them, I have been going back around and around for the past week. 
and it is Psalm 34, verse 7. And it has to do with fear, because I think a lot of us battle with fear. At least I do. You know, I think I'll have a handle on it. I shared about this a little bit on Periscope. I think I'll have a handle on a situation, and then, boom, it just sneaks up and bites you, and you're dealing with it again. And for me, it's it's fear in a certain area with, with a certain subject that I battle with. And so I just want to read this verse to you. And it's, like I said, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. You have an angel camped around you, each and every one of us. That is amazing. And God promises that he is going to deliver us. Just that knowledge alone, I'm telling you guys, I was battling. I was up um, late. I couldn't sleep. I was by my, up by myself in the living room, and I was dealing with this fear. And so I got out a pen and paper, and I just started, I got my Bible concordance out, and I started looking up every verse that there was on fear and writing them down so that I had them right here to reassure me at my fingertips that I could go over the list and pray it and, and speak God's word out loud. And that was the one verse that really stood out to me. And it was such a reassurance. So if any of you are battling with fear, I hope that that brings you comfort like it did me. And you write that down on a card and just have it readily available to pull out till you have it memorized. And then the other verse that I wanted to share, and this one I really came to appreciate during this challenge, and it's James 1 verse 17, and it's every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Because so much in this world seems to shift and change, you know, laws are getting changed here and there. People are, you know, making up their mind to do this and then suddenly they're doing that. I mean, it just seems that so much is changing. I mean, even our weather here in the Pacific Northwest is not staying constant like it normally is. And so this just reminded me that God's promises don't shift and change. And that every good and perfect thing is from Him. And so that really brought me comfort, too, because I've been really trying to appreciate and be thankful for what I do have instead of looking at what I don't have. So that just reminded me that all of the good things that I do have are from from him, from Jesus. So I hope that those verses encourage you and lift you up as they did me. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to visiting with you next time and on Periscope. Bye, guys.